Okay, good morning, gentlemen. <clears throat> Looks like the title of the sheer scared some people away this morning. The topic is making coffee on Shabbos, and the goal of this year is we're going to explore some of the halachas of Bishol, of Borer, of setting up a coffee maker before Shabbos to brew automatically Shabbos morning. <coughs> this is somewhat of a difficult shear to give because for many of you, some of the ideas might be very basic. Um, for some of you, some of the ideas might be complex. So we'll try to go through it thoroughly. Um, brewed coffee, instant coffee, using a French press, and uh, everything in between. To give a little bit of a background, we know there's an Isser of Bishol on Shabbos, one of the third non Malachos, is cooking. The Mechaber in Shin Yudches, Sif Hey, writes as follows. Yesh Mishelmer, the Dover Shenefa O Nitzla, some are of the opinion that something that is baked or roasted, meaning to say that it's, it's cooked through dry heat, <laughs> if you cook it afterwards in water, so now you're boiling something that was previously baked, the Isser Bishel applies, and they would say that it's usher to place bread even into a klisheni, that's yad lettuce. So if you have a hot bowl of soup, and uh, let's just make it simple, there is no ladle used. You take from the soup pot, you pour it into the bowl, so the bowl is for sure a klisheni. According to the first opinion, you cannot dip the challah into the soup, because although the challah is already baked, we paskin yesh bishel acharafiyah. The Yesh Matirin, says the Machaber, but others are Mekel, and they allowed that, says the Ramah, but Klisheni, meaning to say that the second opinion holds you are allowed to take Chala and dip it into a Klisheni. The Yesh Makilin adds the Ramah, a few Bakli and some are even more Mekel to allow placing bread even into a Klisheni. Now, how could you put something into a Kli Rishon? Everyone agrees that a Kli Rishon has the ability to cook. So the answer is, in this shita, in this opinion, we paskin, ain bishel acharafiyah. Once something is baked or roasted, the fact that now you're doing a different form of cooking, that's no problem. And the general principle of ain bishel achar bishel applies to different forms of bishel. That's the most lenient approach. So we have three opinions here. The most machmer is yesh bishel acharafia afilu b'klisheni. Middle ground is bishel acharafia b'klirishon, but it's okay. It's okay in a klisheni. And the most lenient is bishel <coughs> acharafia, and therefore even in a klirishon you could dip the challah. So the remote paskins the nogu lezar lechadchila shalolita in pas afilu b'klisheni. Our, our custom is to be machmir, lechadchila, not to place bread even into a klisheni. Kolzman sheyatsa lettuce bow, assuming it's still very hot. 
let's take one step back. We know there's a fundamental distinction between food and beverage when it comes to cooking on Shabbos. <clears throat> if you were to take a raw steak and throw it on the fire for three minutes and you took it off the fire, you would not be in violation of an Isu Deraisa Bishel. It's only if you leave it on the fire until it becomes edible, that's the famous Machlokis Rashi and the Rambam, is that one-third cooked, is that one-half cooked. But that's the Isa Deraisa of cooking a solid. Anything less than that is, uh, is not an Isa Deraisa. When it comes to mashke, when it comes to liquid, we paskin, taking any liquid and bringing it to Yadso lettuce, that's considered bishul for a liquid. What's Yadso lettuce? So we're machmir, anything above 110 degrees is considered Yadso lettuce. So we have two different um, standards for bishul when it comes to a davagush, something that's solid, versus something that's liquid. Now when it comes to a solid food that has been cooked previously, let's say you have boiled chicken. Chicken was boiled before Shabbos in the soup, and for some reason you have a pot of boiling water on the fire, and you're leaving it there throughout Shabbos. The boiled chicken um, was placed in the refrigerator at some point. Now you want to heat it up again for Shabbos lunch. So you take this boiling water off the heat source. We never put anything in a pot that's on a heat source. But if you take that boiling pot of water off the heat source, even though it's still a clear shown, and you take the boiled chicken from the fridge and put it inside that water, any problem? None whatsoever. Ein bishel acher bishel. Once something has been cooked before Shabbos, you can't recook it. It's already cooked. It went from raw chicken to boiled chicken to boil that chicken again, even though it was cold before, is not a problem of Bishop. So that tradition soup that already has cooked noodles in it, that's going to be different. We'll have to address why. But that's the basic idea of Ein Bishop Acher Bishop. The Machlokis here in the Machaber is. Maybe it's true, ain't bishel acher bishel, but if you're doing a whole different form of cooking, so for example, if you took the boiled chicken and instead of putting it into the water, you put it on top of some kind of heat source that would roast the chicken, so then that could be a problem of yesh tzliya acher bishel. What are the classic cases where you take when you want to show on Shabbos morning, you can't take it off and put it back on? That's the issue, the abundant of Chazorah, which we're not going to get into today. We're talking about just the definition of bishul. <coughs> so when it comes to a solid food, once it's been cooked, you could for sure recook it in the same method. That's no problem, and that's mutter even on a rabbinic level. Even kli as, as, as long as it's not on the fire. And on the heat source would be just the on the heat source. We don't do it based on the rabbinic issues. When it comes to a liquid, we have a famous machlokus between the machaber and the ramah. At the end of Simon Shin Yun Ches, the Mechaber writes that if you have hot tea that drops below Yadso lettuce, <coughs> to reheat it to above Yadso lettuce would be Usr. Because when it comes to liquid, we don't say Ein Bishel Acher Bishel. When it comes to a solid, even though it's cooled off, 
it, it's a cooked piece of chicken. You're just now reheating it. When it comes to a liquid, the machaber was of the opinion that once it's cooled off, it's no longer cooked. So yesh bishel acher bishel when it comes to a liquid. That was the machaber shita. The Ramah comes along and argues, and the Ramah says something kind of strange. He says, if you have a hot cup of tea that drops below yad so lettuce, but it's still warm, it's still warm enough that you could enjoy it as a, as a cup of tea, then you're allowed to bring it back up to yad so lettuce. If it drops down to room temperature, where it's lost all of its chamimus, then you can't bring it back up to room temperature. So where does that middle ground come from? So explains Ramosha Feinstein. That's based on the fact that we know there's a machlokus rishonim, whether or not we say yesh bishel acher bishel when it comes to a liquid. The machaber clearly paskins that we say yesh bishel acher bishel. If it drops below yad so lettuce, it's no longer cooked. By bringing it up to that temperature, you're cooking it. It's also... What are you cooking? You're cooking the water. The Ramah holds, says Ramosha, like the other Rishonim, that really, at least on a Deir Isa level, Ein Bishalacher Bishal applies both to solids and liquids. As long as the liquid was brought up above Yad Soledis, even if it now drops down to room temperature, to bring it back up to Yad Soledis, Ramosha held, and this is what the Ramah would hold, no problem. However, the Ramah was somewhat machmir. He didn't feel comfortable having people bring room temperature liquid up to Yad Soledis. So he made this compromise that as long as it's still warm, then you can bring it back up to Yad Soledis. But what comes out of the conversation is we have a massive machlokus between the Machabra and the Ramah. Which group of Rishonim do we paskin like when it comes to a liquid? So everyone agrees when it comes to a solid, ain't bishalacher bishal. When it comes to a liquid, the Machaber is machmer and he says yesh bishalacher bishal. And the Ramah is Mekel, assuming that it's still warm. That's some of the background. <clears throat> and now we have this Sif, Sif Hey, where we have a Machlokis, do we apply Ein Bishel Acher Bishel when it's a different process? And the basic answer is, we're Machmir Natu. So a couple of examples, Halacha Lamaisa. There's a famous question. Let's say you have boiled chicken from the chicken soup. And you want to reheat that and serve it Shabbos lunch. Now the only way I could really reheat that, my oven's not on. I can't put it in there anyway based on rabbinic issues. However, I could put the boiled chicken on top of the crock pot. That avoids rabbinic issues of chazara. Could you argue, that's wonderful, there's no chazara, but there should be a problem of bishul. Because you're using now a different form of heat. It was initially cooked through wet heat, and now using dry heat. So maybe we should say that's aser based on yesh afia or yesh tzliya, acher bishul. Good question. You're bringing it to way above yad to let us go. On top of the crock. It's possible. So why is that mutter? Says the chazanish, something that uh, makes a lot of sense. Chazanish writes, the only time we paskin that slia or afia, that roasting or baking is a problem on Shabbos after cooking with liquid, that's only if it's changing what this item is. If previously it was a boiled piece of chicken, and now through using dry heat, 
I'm totally changing the consistency of what this is, and now it's a roasted chicken, that's a problem. And that we're machmer to avoid. If I'm using dry heat, like on top of the crock pot, and it's just making it hot, boiled chicken, but it's not changing what it is, then everyone would agree that's 100% mutter. Another example, you have challah, and you like to serve warm challah for Shabbos lunch. So Friday night, it's no problem, you put it in the oven before Shabbos, you keep the oven on for a little while, turn it off right before Shabbos, and it's still fairly warm. <coughs> Shabbos day, so what are the options? You want to serve, serve warm challah. So one option is again, put it on top of the crock pot. Or if you have a hot plate, put it on the hot plate. Uh, assuming the hot plate has no knob to adjust the temperature, again, avoiding issues of chazara. The question is, from a bishul standpoint, you could argue, well, it was previously baked, but now it's going to get all toasted. So maybe we'd say, yesh tzliya acharafiya. You're changing the consistency. The basic answer is that's mutter as well as long as your goal is not to make the challah into toast. To transform the challah into toast is something we would try to avoid on Shabbos, because that could be in the category of roasting after baking. But just putting it on top of the crock pot to make it warm, even if the bottom layer gets a little bit crusty, that's not a problem. All right. Some of the background. When it comes to making... Where putting something on top of the crock pot would make it usser? Would it make the food usser? Yeah. Are there any situations? Because it always seems that it's not powerful enough to change the, you know, the consistency. Yeah, the only time you'd have the case of putting something on top of a crock pot that would actually make it usser is if you were really cooking. Right? So if you put a raw egg on top of the crock pot and it was hot enough to cook the egg... So that's considered it was cooked on Shabbos, it's also, but it's hard to find a case. Oh, so when it comes to liquids, right, we paskin that. Right. The only thing that we reheat on Shabbos is a solid. And the fact there could be some liquid on the meat itself is not a problem, or there could be natural juices coming out of the meat, that's not a problem. But if you have it in a 9 by 13 pan with a whole thick layer of gravy, that is a problem. The Machaber could say that might be a deraisa, because yesh bishel acher bishel when it comes to a liquid, and the Ramah would at least say that's aser midirbana. So we only reheat things that are solid. How do we judge that balance? It's a consistency question? Like if it's rove liquid, we have problem? So there is a prima godim that seems to say that, but it's very hard to understand, and most postkim don't go that way. Most postkim assume that if there's liquid, don't reheat it. Take out the, the chicken from the gravy, Take out the brisket from the, the whatever it is and just reheat the, the salad without the liquid. But again, having some of the, the little moisture on the chicken or the meat is not a problem. But if it's sitting in any form of liquid... Either. If it's sitting in a liquid, then that you should not reheat. Now, for hundreds of years, coffee was made. Ever had Turkish coffee? So Turkish coffee is pretty much you take coffee grounds and you pour hot water on top of it, and then you drink it. Very simple. Not super sophisticated at all. So the question is, when it comes to Shabbos, can you pour hot water from the urn 
on top of coffee grounds. So on one hand, you could argue, listen, they're not raw. They're not raw coffee beans. They're coffee beans that were roasted and now chopped up very finely. So perhaps you could say, ain't bishel acher bishel. Not instant. We're talking Turkish, old school coffee. You're taking coffee beans that were roasted, that were ground up. You put it in the cup, take the cup to the urn, and pour the water directly on the coffee grind. Would that be mutter or usser? You would say usser. Why? Ain't bishel acher bishel. So I would say a little bit differently, originally because they were. originally they were never cooked. They were roasted. So this would fall into the category of yesh bishul achertzliya. They're roasted coffee beans. Now you're using a different medium of a cooking, namely hot liquid. Bishul achertzliya. And, and some would say that's mutter. Right? We did see that opinion. But based on the Ramos Psak, v'nogu lizor l'chadchila, we're knowing to be careful, l'chadchila, not even to use a klisheni for that. Right? So l'chadchila, if you have coffee beans that were roasted and now they're ground up, to put them into a klisheni, and we would for sure not do. And even putting them into a klisheni, we wouldn't do. Because we're machmer for yesh bishel achertzliya, even in a klisheni. That's what would emerge from the Ramah. And the question is, that's fine and dandy, so how do you have your Turkish coffee on Shabbos? So one easy way out is to wait till the water is no longer Yad Seledispo. But for many people, that's not an option. I want a hot cup of coffee. <clears throat> so the question is, how about a klishlishi? All the Ramah says is that we're machmer, Yesh bishel achetzliyah, even in a klisheni, would that chumr apply to a klishlishi as well? So the Mishnah Burr has a famous discussion. These urns, what temperature does the water get? They're for sure above Yad Zoletis. Yeah. So the Mishnah Burr speaks about how to make tea on Shabbos. It's a Beferisha song. The problem is it's not Beferisha Machaber. <laughs> nor is it Beferisha Ramah. Nor is it Beferisha Mishnah Buru. So, the Mishnah Buru has a conversation, how do you make tea on Shabbos? You have to realize, back in Europe, Shabbos without tea is like eating cornflakes without milk. It just doesn't work. So how do you have tea on Shabbos? Especially in the winter. So he gave a couple of different suggestions. His best etza was as follows. You take the tea leaves, or to use contemporary terms, you take the tea bags, and you pour hot water over them before Shabbos, creating a very, very strong tea sense. Then on Shabbos, if you want a hot cup of tea, you take your cup, you go to the urn, fill it up with hot water. So now I have a klisheni. <laughs> One thing that we know for sure is that even though we pask in liquid that's cooked and cools off, we don't reheat to Yad So Lettuce. According to the Machabra, that could be Deraisa. According to the Ramah, that's at least an Isser Derabanin. However, if you're putting liquid that was already cooked and cooled off into a Klisheni, that's Mutter. 
So, the eighth of the, of the Chafetz Chaim was, you take your very strong tea scents, you pour a little bit of that into your hot water in a klisheni, and presto, I have a wonderful cup of tea. I didn't cook any of the tea leaves, and uh, everything is fine and dandy. Okay, so that's the best way to have tea on Shabbos. Let's say I didn't prepare tea scents before Shabbos. So now what do I do? So we're waiting for the Chafetz Chaim to say, if he didn't get a chance to do that before Shabbos, I have another idea, which is, Klish Lishi! And that could solve all the problems of the world. <laughs> you take the tea leaves, or the tea bag, and put into a Klish Lishi, which means you pour from the urn into this cup. You take this cup, pour into a second cup, which is now a Klish Lishi. Klish Lishi can't do anything. Put the tea bag inside the Klish Lishi, and Sholem al Yisrael. Why didn't the Mishnah Bura give that suggestion? Now, somebody once told me, you have to understand, back in Europe, they didn't have all these cups like we do nowadays. <laughs> we live in an affluent society. You could, you know, indulge yourself in having a, a klish lishi. Back in the 1700s and 1800s in Europe, they barely had one kli they used. <laughs> so that's true. They didn't have nearly as much as we do. But to say that the Mishnah Bura didn't give the eights of a klishlishi because they didn't have a third cup sounds a little bit silly to me. Um, what's probably a valid diug from the Mishnah Bura is that he felt a klishlishi would not work. If we're concerned for Bishel in a klisheni of the tea leaves, then we're also concerned for Bishel the tea leaves in a klishlishi and a klirevi and chamishi. He didn't make any distinction. Okay. So that means the Mishnah Bura holds. There's no such thing as a klishlishi. It's a baba maisa. We could put that in the same category as burying, burying the knives and then the pots, you know, for a year underground. We could put that in the same category as using a kli once before we're tovelis. It's a baba maisa. There's no such thing as a klishlishi. The problem is that the Mishnah Bura does quote the Prima Gadam, who says, in the case of dipping bread into a bowl of soup, that if the bowl of soup is a klishlishi, then it's okay. So even though there are more rights for a machmer not to put challah into a klisheni, you're allowed to put challah into a klishlishi. So it, he does hold of klishlishi sometimes. Now that by itself, though, is not a problem, because one could say they're two very different cases. When it comes to tea leaves, tea leaves are totally uncooked, so we're concerned for Bishel even in a klishlishi. When it comes to bread, so listen, anyway, we saw there's an opinion that says, ain't Bishel acher Bishel, and even though it was only baked and now we're cooking it, no problem. So maybe to understand the Chafetz Chaim's view of klishlishi, you could say something very, very simple. Something that was never cooked, don't use a klishlishi. That's why he didn't bring the suggestion for tea leaves. Something like bread that was baked or something that was roasted, where anyway we have a lot to rely on, then a klishlishi is okay. That would seem to resolve the Mishnah Bura if we stopped there. Let's do one more step. However, the Mishnah Bura brings another case of cutting up onions and different vegetables and wanting to mix it together with gravy or soup, or picha is actually what he's talking about. Another delicacy in Europe. All right, what Shabbos without a cup of tea and cow hoof? <laughs> 
<laughs> so there he again brings the suggestion of Klishlishi. So to say people, for people to say that the Chafetz Chaim only utilized the eights of Klishlishi when it comes to something that was previously baked or roasted, that's not true, because he also uses that Eitzah for vegetables that were never cooked. So therefore we have a big question, what did the Chafetz Chaim actually hold? So I'll share with you what I think to be the understanding of the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim felt that when it comes to tea, tea is in the category of Kale Habisho. There are certain things the Gemara lists that are easily cooked. And easily cooked things are us or even in a cliché. So anything that's easily cooked, and therefore us or even in a cliché, the Mishnah Brew is of the opinion, it's also us or in a cliché, Ravi, Hamishi, makes no difference. And he was assuming that tea leaves were in the category of Kale Habisho. Because once you hold that tea leaves are easily cooked, then we're concerned in any kli, any kli where there's liquid above yadza lettuce, if it's easily cooked, we say don't do it. That's why he would never give that suggestion for making tea on Shabbos. However, when it comes to food, even if it's raw, but it's not in the category of Kali Habishal, or for sure in a case of food that was either baked or roasted, there the Mishnah Bura feels comfortable with the Prima Gadam. And there he says, Klish Lishi is a valid Eitzah. So that seems to be the Chafetz Chaim's approach regarding Klish Lishi. Let's bring it home for a moment. So getting back to making Turkish coffee on Shabbos, we have a very simple way to do it. Use a Klish Lishi. The coffee grounds were roasted beforehand. So although there are more paskins that were machmer, yesh bishel achert sli, or afiyah, even in a klisheni, but the Mishnah Brewer is clear, that's only klisheni. If it's a klishlishi, then it's mutter l'chachilo. So to make Turkish coffee, which basically means you take from the urn, pour it into cup number one, which is a klisheni, now you pour it to the other cup, which would be a klishlishi, to put the Turkish coffee inside of that and let it create that beautiful aroma and enjoy it on Shabbos would be 100% mutter, according to the Chafetz Chaim. Question. Where's the source again, the original source of Kali Habishal? It's a Gemara on Shabbos. Certain types of salty fish. So the Poskim held that anything that we see Bechush through experience cooks very easily because it's sensitive, it's fragile, it's very thin. So we could assume, or at least we, could sh- we should be concerned that it's in the category of Kali Habishal. That's why, for example, I'll get to you one moment, the Chazonish was more liberal with the Klisheni than the Chafetz Chaim was. There's a massive machlokus between the Chafetz Chaim and the Chazonish. And the, the Chafetz Chaim says that although, really the Gemara tells us, Klisheni enu mevashel. Klisheni doesn't cook. With a few exceptions of those things that are easily cooked, Kali Abishal. Says the Chafetz Chaim, but nowadays we don't really know what's considered Kali Abishal. So generally we're machmir not to put anything into a Klisheni. Except for water. Water is one thing we know, even if it was never cooked, you could put it into a Klisheni. Or anything else that was cooked. The Chazonish argues. And the Chazonish says... 
The only thing we're concerned for in a cliche is Kali Habishal. Everything else we could assume is not Kali Habishal, and therefore Mutter. However, if it was baked beforehand, even though up until this point we always assume that if it was previously baked or roasted, that would be more of a reason to be Mekel, <coughs> Chazonish says that if it was baked beforehand, we're more concerned for cooking because it's softer, it's more absorbent. So you can't put something that was baked into a klisheni, but most other things you can. Even in the world of the Chazonish, he says, when it comes to tea, Kale Habishal perhaps, and therefore don't use a klisheni and not even a klishlishi. Um, he himself doesn't write that, but in some of his Talmidim they say that they assume the Chazanish would have said tea is different because Kali Abishal. Question. Just, I'm having trouble with the whole concept of tea, right? Because even if you're putting a tea bag in hot water, you're not, you're not eating the tea bag. If I put a tea bag in cold water, water's going to take out the flavor. So right. I, mm-hmm. I'm not really... Is it really an issue with tea leaves? Yeah, like because you have these raw leaves, you're putting it into hot water. You're not eating it. It doesn't make a difference. You can't cook anything on Shabbos. I can't put a steak on the fire. If it, I'm not going to eat it. I'm still cooking the steak. So if I took a piece of paper that's not edible and I put it in God's lettuce bowl, am I... Am I, am I so in that case, no. But it is clear from the Rambam that Bishel does apply to non-edible things as well. You melt metal, the different examples. You do something substantial to change the form of something. But in this case, you don't need to come on to that. You have raw tea leaves. Putting those raw tea leaves into hot water can be cooking them. <coughs> right, so the Mishnah Burr would say, don't do that in a klisheni. And he would probably say, don't even do that in a klishlishi. <coughs> when it comes to the coffee, so then we'd be mekel, because we have a combination of factors. Slia and then bisho, plus a klishlishi, there the Chafetz Chaim would say, no problem. How do we make tea on Shabbos according to the Chafetz Chaim? The best way to do it is, like he told us, make strong tea scents beforehand. If you didn't do that before Shabbos, what do you do? The Chafetz Chaim would say, Suffer. Get a cup of coffee instead. So if you can't make, I can't cook three tea bags in that much water on Shabbos. Hot water? No, cold water. Cold water, there's no problem. We're only talking about Yad's lettuce water. No, no, tea essence and cold water is fine. The whole issue here is using water that's yadso lettuce that could be cooking the tea leaves. So how do you make tea on Shabbos if according to the Chafetz Chaim we don't use a klish lishi for tea? So uh, option one is suffer. Okay, that's a good option. <clears throat> option number two is Ramosha. So you can take hot water from the urn? Yeah. You do an experiment <laughs> and see if it works, <laughs> you know? Not very much. I mean, you, you 
guys steal? People make guys steal Right, we're only discussing, you know, Yatsu lettuce liquid. Using regular water is no problem. The question is, if we didn't make tea sense before Shabbos, is there any Eitzah of drinking tea on Shabbos? The Chavetz Chaim would pretty much say no. However, Ramosha argues. Ramosha says, this is source number eight, and I apologize, actually out of order. This should be source number six. But source number eight is Ramosha. Laniyas daiti lo nira klal lo mradika devarim shemis bashlim b'klishlishi. Says my opinion is that there is nothing that can be cooked in a klishlishi. The lo matzino elish b'klisheni yesh devarim shemis bashlim. We only find the Gemara telling us kali habishol things cooking in a klisheni. Mamela me'acher she'ein onu yodin yesh lesser kol davar. And you could argue that we're not sure now is what's easily cooked, so therefore we're pretty machmer by klisheni. But we don't find any source in Shas telling us that a klishlishi can cook anything. So Ramosh's opinion was, even kale habishel, even if we argue that tea leaves are easily cooked, we have no real source telling us that klishlishi could do anything. And therefore he held it was mutter to put a tea bag into a klishlishi. So halacha lemaisa, how do we paskin? Do we paskin like the Mishnah Brewer that seems to be machmir on this issue, or do we paskin like Ramosha that seems to be mekel on this issue? So when you think about it, right, usually if there is a, a clear debate between the Chafetz Chaim and Ramosha, so we have a Mesorah that we go like the Mishnah Brewer. Sometimes that's not true. There's always exceptions to rules. However, in this case, are we talking about a Shiloh of a Deraisa or a Shiloh of a Derbanan? This is potentially Deraisa. If the Chafetz Chaim is correct, right, if our understanding of the Chafetz Chaim is correct, then putting tea into a klish lish that's Yatsu lettuce could potentially be in violation of Bishal Min HaTorah. So, the Chorah, putting the tea bag into a klish lishi, you could be in violation of Bishal Min Deraisa. So I think it's prudent that we try to be machmer, like the Chafetz Chaim. And if there's a real tzorach, someone has a sore throat, you know, or something like that, then Lachar, you could rely on Ramosha. He was the Golo Hador. But you have the option, we would definitely say, make the tea sense before Shabbos, uh, because we are talking about a deraisa. Okay. So, so back to the, to the Turkish coffee. Right, so we said klishlishi would work. According Turkish to coffee, klishlishi is okay, l'chachilo. Right, but I'm saying but the process of how you do it in that third cup, do you put, does it make a difference if you put the grounds in first and then the water, or water first and then grounds, or everything's good? Better put the water in first, so it's a full klishlishi, and it's not considered irimi klishi. So you have your cup, which is a klishlishi, and then you put the Turkish coffee inside. So coffee, we have a good etza. Tea, we don't have as much of an etza. What? This example of Turkish coffee is not instant coffee. No, we're going to get instant coffee. Okay, right, so Turkish coffee, the only hetter is cliche. <coughs> now, before we get to instant coffee, one last point here with brewed coffee. Well, that really gets into borer. Let's hold up and borer for a moment. Let's go to instant coffee to finish off our discussion on Bishel. Then we'll get to borer. Huh? Timers. Okay, we'll get there as well. What time is it right now, speaking of timers? 9.40. Okay, so we gotta, we got to hurry up here. Instant coffee. So it all comes down to the question of, well, how do they make instant coffee? 
if it's just roasted beforehand, then it'd be the same halach as Turkish coffee. You have to do an aklish lishi. So we have in the tshuva of the Minchas Yitzchak, where he says, <laughs> he addresses the question, Mahu lishpoch al nes kafe, mayim chamim mikli rishon, b'shabbos kodesh. Are you allowed to pour straight from the urn on instant coffee? On Shabbos Kodesh. So Is the instant coffee cooked before they make the powder? Or are they just roasted? You have to know what's going on in the production of instant coffee. So Eitzel, the, what's that word? Nestle. Nestle Company, right? They, they went to the source. Heishiv Bezehaloshin. They answered us in the following Loshin. Here's a quote from Nestle. That the coffee beans used in its manufacture are first roasted before being boiled and brewed, and that the carbohydrate are also boiled. So, it sounds like the way they make instant coffee is to roast it and then boil it before drying it out. So says the Minchas Yitzchak, what would you say based on this information? Everything is good. Everything, Everything is good, which would mean even... Even Klirishon, taking the instant coffee, no games, you put the scoop of coffee into the cup, you put it right under the urn, you pour the hot water under the coffee, and you have your coffee. That's what it would seem. Ein bishel acher bishel, what are we concerned for? Says the Minchas Yitzchak, "Dafal pisha ein bishul acher bishul bedover yovish." By a dry food, we paskin ein bishul acher bishul mikomakom im choser v'nimcha mimenu kitzas yesh bo mishum bishul balach luches hamachu im hayatzel lettuce bo ulechein sarich lizar maod v'chein shel lishpach mikli rishon triyatzel lettuce bo al ha tsukar ki me'achesh ha tsukar nimcha yesh bo mishum bishul ayin shom. Says the Minchas Yitzchak as follows, it's true that when you have a solid that was previously cooked in water, to recook it in water is no problem. So then I would have said by instant coffee, just put the cup under the urn and pour. So the Minchas Yitzchak says there's something else. Because it dissolves so easily, it could be that we view it as a liquid. If we view the instant coffee as a liquid, so then... We would say, Yesh Bishel Acher Bishel. Yesh Bishel Acher Bishel. He's saying potentially because it dissolves so easily once you mix it with water, we view it as a liquid. And we saw regarding a liquid, <laughs> we paskin that if it's totally room temperature, Yesh Bishel Acher Bishel. So therefore, his conclusion is it's okay to make instant coffee, but you should do so in a klisheni. So because we have this potential chumrah, right, the Mishnah Bura speaks about this regarding sugar. Even though sugar is cooked beforehand, don't put it into a klirishon because it dissolves so quickly it might have the halachic status of a liquid. Yesh bishel acher bishel by liquid, so only a klisheni. Doesn't the Turkish coffee also dissolve quickly? It doesn't dissolve at all? It just sits there. It just sits there. Uh, Question? Are other sugar substitutes um, cooked like sugar, for example, like stevia, or they just have extracts? You know, those aren't necessarily... So, 
It's a good question. My assumption is in the production of these things, they probably are, but I'm not 100% sure. Now, what does that mean practically? So practically, that means we don't put it into a Kli Rishon, <coughs> because even if it was cooked, if it dissolves right away, we have this Chumrah viewing it as a liquid. Regarding putting into a klisheni, so regular sugar is for sure cooked. Instant coffee is for sure cooked, or at least according to that information. So putting that into a klisheni is no problem. Stevia or the other fake sugars we really have to investigate. If they were not cooked at all in the production, it's hard to believe that would be the case. But if they weren't cooked, then a klisheni would be into the machlokas, the chafetz chaim and the chazonish. Chafetz Chaim would say, we don't really put anything in a klisheni that's not cooked because we're not sure what's considered kali habishal. The chazanish would say it's okay. But for sure in a klishlishi, then you could rely on the combination of many factors and that would be okay. Question. Baruch Hashem, you came this morning. Because besides the wonderful eggs and hash browns, we learned a new halacha. The Sharetzion brings this, and other poskim, they say, it's a chiddish. And, and we're, we're machmer like this. It may not be ledina, but we are machmer. That if something dissolves very easily into water, we view it as a liquid regarding this issue of potentially yesh bishel acher bishel. And that's the reason why, when we make instant coffee, we use a klisheni. Right? The normal way of making instant coffee is you first pour the water into the cup and then you take the scoop of taster's choice and put it into the water. So really, midina, it sounds like even pouring the water directly onto the instant coffee would be okay. However, we are a machmer that's considered a liquid and therefore we use a klisheni. Is there any reason to use a klishlishi for instant coffee? And some people are very machmer in this. Use a klishlishi for instant coffee. Now, one issue that does come up that Ari mentioned on Shabbos, you have that kli sitting there that people pour the water into before they pour it into their kli sheni, their kli shlishi, rather. But if you keep on using the cup over and over again, then you have droplets of water in the cup. So aren't you cooking those droplets of water by pouring directly from the urn onto these droplets of water? So the basic issue is we're not concerned because, first of all, those droplets of water are cooked already. So you'll argue, yeah, but we say that yesh bishel acher bishel when it comes to a liquid. But in the Ramaz world, at least, that's a dinder abanin. And when it just droplets of water, that's a psikresha de lo nichale a dinder abanin. We're not concerned for that. If the droplets of water were not previously cooked, right, if you went to a mug you have right by your sink that has water and little droplets of water inside of it, then to take that directly to the urn and put the hot water in that mug would be a problem. If you had water that was pre-boiled, you still would have put that in your hot water. Water that was pre-boiled? Still water. You buy chunks when you pour it in water. Right. You wouldn't even need it. It's like the way you boil it. It's like the drops in the cup, right? What, what potentially could you do differently? in that scenario. Well, you would still have to do everything the same, you know, for instant coffee. You're saying that the water 
still have to use a Kli. I'm saying, but the bottom line is, if, if we're considering the instant coffee as liquid, that liquid is cooled off, and we're now heating that up with a Kli. So potentially, So is there any room to be machmer and to say, use a Kli Shlishi for instant coffee? Probably not going to get there today. Maybe. We'll, we'll see if we have time. Let's finish this discussion, though, on Taster's Choice. Notice I keep on saying Taster's Choice and not Folgers. You notice that? That's also on Shabbos to use, even in a Klishlishi. It's also a Fila Bechol. So the, the reason potentially to use a Klishlishi is as follows. This information that we received from Nestle is wonderful. And now we know how they make their instant coffee, at least how they made it 30 years ago. Things are always changing. So potentially, there could be a brand or a type of instant coffee where it's only roasted and it's not cooked beforehand. So therefore, that would be in the same category as Turkish coffee. So some are machmer to only use a klishlishi because I don't know for sure how this was made and therefore I'm covering all chashashos. So if you want to use a klishlishi, go for it. And we should not make fun of somebody who does because there's a good reason for it. But halacha lemaisa, all that's necessary is a cliché when it comes to instant coffee. <coughs> to address briefly what Rabbi Goldstein mentioned, is a styrofoam cup considered a cliché So on one hand you could argue, of course it is, because it's not the kli that was on the fire. Kli rishon is the pot that was on the fire, and this is now a second kli. However, you could argue that styrofoam has the amazing ability, besides destroying the planet, it can also maintain the heat. And the whole shot in the klisheni, there's a famous tosis in Shabbos that says a klisheni is different because the fanos makaros, the walls of the kli were not on the fire, and therefore they help cool down the contents inside the pot. You could argue when it comes to styrofoam, that's not the case because it keeps it very, very hot. Rebelsky was of that opinion. Belsky held that a styrofoam cup would not be considered a cliché. I heard him on a CD once where he was talking about this and somebody asked him the question, isn't that somewhat of a radical position? If the postkims say cliché, you know, for us to come up with a, a new angle to say it's not really a cliché, so he answered back, Bedarko Bekodesh, I don't consider following the Rishonim as a radical position. <laughs> Tosfus says the Peshat and the Klisheni is the Phanos Makaros. This is not the Phanos Makaros. What do you want from me? It's Tosfus. <laughs> so there is that opinion out there. It does seem that Rob Postkim do hold that the Styrofoam cup is considered a Klisheni. You know? right. Quickly, regarding, regarding Borer. So you other brands that are coffee So not that I know of. You know, but again, if you want to play it safe and use a Klisheni, then... That's a good move. Ramosha writes in a tshuva that although many things are mutan a klisheni, I've accepted upon myself to always do klishlishi to avoid all concern. So we have issues of instant coffee, of brewed coffee. I want to get briefly to the issue of borer, which is, if you want to really brew coffee in Shabbos, I don't like Turkish coffee, I don't want all those little pieces inside my cup of coffee. But I can't stand instant coffee. I'm one of those people. I'm snobby. I have to have done only brewed coffee. So can you make brewed coffee in Shabbos? <coughs> well, if you use a klishlishi, not to put anybody down who only does brewed coffee, but you are snobby, but not to put you down. 
<laughs> it is much better. <laughs> so the Bishel aspect, we've addressed. As long as it's a Klish Lishi, so not only Rav Moshe would say it's okay, even the Chafetz Chaim would the say it's okay. The main issue is the Borev. How do you brew coffee? You have a coffee filter, you fill it up with the coffee grinds, and then you pour the hot water through the filter. It mixes together with the coffee, soaks up the flavor, and then drips out of the filter. That, to me, sounds like a clear violation of borer, because you have a mixture of water and coffee grinds. If you look at it, Bishas Maisa, it's all mixed together with thousands of little pieces of coffee within the water, and you're filtering the water out. So is there any room to be makel regarding the issue of borer? So I'll share with you a, uh, a sif in Shulchan Aruch and Shin Yud Tess. This is source number 16. Great question. Great question. So when it comes to a tea bag, you're putting the tea bag into the water. So I'm not really filtering the water out of the tea bag. The whole issue here is I'm taking the water out of the coffee pieces. When you pull the bag out, you're right. If you were to do this and kind of try to shake out the water in the bag, that would be a problem of borer. Right? But the classic, putting the tea bag into the water, I'm not taking the water out of the tea bag. The water is all there, just absorbing flavor from the tea leaves. The best way to take out a tea bag on Shabbos is with a spoon. And that way you avoid the whole thing. Take a spoon, take out the tea bag, so you're not separating the water from the tea bag. Or you just leave it in. Or you can leave it in. <coughs> Just use two cents. <laughs> Just use two cents. Makes life a lot simpler. Says the Shulchan Aruch Mishmeres of Shabbos. If you have some kind of uh, filtration system with Mishmeres, Osir, Litein Ba Shemarim, it is Osir to place Shemarim, which are the sediment of the, the grape skins. You take grapes, you press them, you want to take the grape skins and put them in this filter. But if you place the shmarim there before, then you're allowed to pour water on it. In order that the clear water will come out as clear water. Why are you pouring water over grape skin? What's the point of that? I want to get some flavor. We're sick and tired of water. We want some flavor. So you pour it over the grape skin. If the shemarim, the sediment's there from beforehand, you're allowed to pour the water over the grape skin to absorb the flavor and come out the bottom. Now, why in the world is this mutter? Says the Chafetz Chaim, source number 17, Tzalulim, the clear water. So the grape skins are sitting there, the water is poured through to absorb the flavor. The reason why pouring the water is not a violation of borer. Because the water you're pouring in, that's good, clear, drinkable water. There's nothing I have to separate from the water itself. I'm not filtering the water. Mutter litein b'shabes ma'im al gabe shmarim shenishar b'chavis 
v'kolten ha'mayim tam ha'yayin, u'motzian oso b'shabbos v'shosan oso. Chavetz Chaim saying as follows. If you have water, let's say um, the tap water is disgusting, and nobody would ever drink tap water. So then to filter your tap, and then to use that water in Shabbos would be a violation of Borer. In this case, I'm taking beautiful, fresh water, no need to filter anything, and I'm pouring it onto the Shmarim. It happens to be, for that moment, two or three minutes, where everything's mixed together, there is a, a taruvis, there is a mixture of water and sediment, but eventually the water will seep out through the filter, and I'll just have flavored water. So I start off with good water, and I end with good water. For a moment in the middle, it have to be mixed together with something else. That's not considered doing a Misa Brera. That's not doing an action of separating. So if you make the application, this is a classic example of a Sif in Shulchan Aruch. If you're learning Shin Yud okay, Viter, <laughs> this is never going to happen. I'm not going to pour water over grape skin. But this is the exact Sif that tells us if you have the coffee in the filter, and you pour hot water over the coffee grinds, that would not be a violation of Bishel, and that would not be a violation of Borer. It's the exact same situation. What about the Bria water filter? Where you pour, you know, would that be a question of Borer? So I'm not sure how that works. Now, the Halacha Lamaya says any water that you would drink without filtering it, it wouldn't make mm-hmm. then it's fine. It's only if it's really just not drinkable beforehand. It just like takes out the impurities, but you can drink the water. So as long as you would drink it, um, so Elamaya like it a little bit fresher, a little bit cleaner, that would not be a problem. You should let the water run an extra second past your cup. Let's shot in that. So you turn on a sink that has a filter, you put your cup in there and you can drink that water, but then don't turn off the water, let the water continue to run outside of your cup into the sink and then you can turn it off. So I'm not familiar with that psaq. That's definitely not halacha lemaisa. Halacha lemaisa, we would say, if you have to, if you have to filter something, if you have to filter the water because it's not drinkable, and then you want to get a drink on Shabbos. So if you turn on the water for a different purpose, I'm turning on the water to wash the dishes or to wash my hands. So that doesn't require filtration. I don't have to have clean water for that. Then once the water's on, to use it to get clean water from it is okay. But to turn on the water that requires filtering, to fill up the cup of water to drink it, to leave it on three seconds longer, I've never heard of that hatter. Not the schmooze. So, so you, said, you said if you have hot water and you have coffee grounds, like I have a funnel sort of filter you put on top of a cup, and you put the coffee ground in it, pour hot water over it, and then the water goes down to the cup. It's not visual, that's not for Exactly. So then you can. You would want to use it. Make sure, make sure you're pouring from a klish lishi, so you avoid bishul. So you can do it with coffee or tea. Well, tea we said is kali habishul. So according to Chafetz Chaim, he doesn't like that. Okay, but but at least coffee using a klish lishi that would work. A French press will end with this. A French press is different because there you're doing a maisa brera. You have everything mixed together, and then you, by, by pushing down the lever, you're now separating the water from the coffee grinds. Gentlemen, have a wonderful day.